0: In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Last week I spoke a little bit about the Spirit. Talked about how the Spirit fills us up and moves us, and that when the Spirit does all of that, it can be very inconvenient. And so, take today. Today is Trinity Sunday. This is the first Sunday of Pentecost, and Trinity Sunday is often the day when preachers have to take this idea of the Trinity and try to make sense of it. Now, this idea of the Trinity comes from way back, and it seems for us to be normal, but if we just take a second and think about this idea of God three in one, it's very unusual. Now, the history of the Trinity Comes because Jesus came and his followers began to understand that he was God incarnate and they began to ask questions. Well, so is Jesus fully human or fully divine? And as we may remember from church history, haha, there were a few, couple hundred years where they began to work this idea out, these early Christian followers. And they began to ask questions like, if Jesus was fully human and fully divine, well, he can't really be fully both, so maybe he's 50-50, but that didn't really work because that caused problems down the road. And so they ultimately landed like 300 years later to where Jesus was fully human and fully divine. And if Jesus was fully divine, then they began to ask the question, well, then wait. If Jesus was God and God was on earth, then while Jesus was on earth, was God not in heaven? Well, that didn't quite make sense. And so they had to say, well, then God was in both places. Well, how can God sort of be both of those things? And then they said, well, how about we have this God, the father and God, the son, right? But then you have the Spirit that's talked about through the Old Testament, and of course in the first century we see in Acts of the Apostles that the Spirit is falling upon the followers of Jesus and inspiring them to do good work, and so perhaps the Spirit is also an arm of God or God's presence on earth. And so they decided, how about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but... Not three gods, because we really do want to be monotheistic. And so instead, we're going to have one god in three persons. Get it? Yes. (laughs) This idea of the Trinity is super difficult to understand, perhaps even impossible to understand. And that's why Trinity Sunday, this first Sunday after Pentecost, is always the Sunday where the low priest on the totem pole gets to preach. I screwed that up. So this is actually the very first time I have ever preached on Trinity Sunday. So what I'm gonna do today is instead of following the whole idea of explaining the Trinity, we're gonna do something a little different. Cause you see, there are priests all over the country today who are just painfully trying to explain the Trinity to you. And the analogy everyone always goes to is like, it's kind of like water, right? Water can be liquid or gas or solid. That's like the Trinity, that doesn't work. And so instead, I want to bring up the idea. Have you heard the words creator, redeemer, sustainer? Sometimes we use those words to try and articulate the function of the three parts of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit becomes creator, redeemer, sustainer. It's my guess that we all sort of understand the creator and the redeemer thing. The sustainer bit is perhaps what I find most interesting. And so today, I want to really focus again on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity that impacts us daily. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity, the function of God's wholeness that really inspires and moves and nudges us as we try to follow Jesus. Now, how many of you were at home or in Dallas last Sunday with that big storm? I mean, I certainly was. It was a good one. And that storm for a half an hour seemed crazy. And as you drove around Dallas Sunday night or throughout this week, there are still giant trees just completely uprooted and on their side. It was an amazing storm. I lost power. I bet many of you lost power. And what I thought was most incredible is so, you know, in our house, we lost power. And so I said, let's go to a movie. So we went over to Las Colinas where they had power and watched a movie. But as we were driving home that night through our neighborhood with no power, what I found most remarkable was that people were outside. As I drove down the street, people had come out of their homes and were talking to each other. I felt sort of sad that that was remarkable. I felt kind of bad that it took a storm that was destructive, that hurt people and property, and caused power outages in order to get us to be neighborly to our neighbors. How many of you found that you were doing unusual things because of the storm? I know that for days I saw people helping each other pick up branches helping each other move that kind of yard trash around. Maybe they were helping each other with food, taking things out of one refrigerator and putting them in another, and just being out and connecting. And as terrible as the storm was, I think that in a way, that was sort of a Holy Spirit nudge for us. Now, let me be very clear. God does not cause storms in order to get our attention, but God can use things like storms, God can use things that disrupt the way of life that we like, in order to sort of move us in a better direction. I think last week we saw in a little bit of a way that the Spirit, when we are shoved enough out of our comfort zone, can actually affect us in a positive way. See, in our prayer books, We're told that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life, who enables us to grow in the likeness of Christ. The Spirit gives us and inspires the life in us so that we can become more Christ-like. As followers of Jesus, it's not enough to be nice and to profess faith. We have to actually live this out. And it's the Spirit that fills us and enables us to actually move toward behaviors that look like Jesus. When we love our neighbors, and when we are generous, and when we are kind, and when we help the most vulnerable among us, when we actually do what Jesus would do, that's when we begin to become the kind of followers of God that we were made to be. The Spirit enables us to do those things. But when we find that we are in a rut, too comfortable, and too predictable, we can begin to ignore those Spirit nudges. As we move into this Pentecost season, I want to invite you, like I said last week, to not just be stable and predictable and comfortable, but begin to listen and begin to feel those nudges, begin to respond to the ways in which the Spirit may move you this way and that way, to do the things that are a little bit unusual, out of your norm, in order to relate to one another, to care for one another, to find people out there in the world who need a bit of love and attention and kindness, who feel lonely, and who are looking for some deep truth. As Christians, we're compelled to become more like Christ, and we may often experience the drama of a big storm that knocks trees over, but I hope that perhaps this week and next week, this summer, we might listen and hear and respond to the way that the Spirit is giving us little nudges to do the unexpected and to do the unexpected in ways of love that shine light in our world, that they will know that we are followers of Jesus because of our love. Amen.